Welcome to Tax Avoidance is Legal on TalkZone.com, the show that's here to make the topic of taxes fun and interesting while providing great advice for individuals and small business owners on how to mitigate their tax liabilities. Now, here are your hosts, Craig and Belsis Smalley. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for joining us on Tax Avoidance is Legal. I'm your host, Belsa Smalley. And I am your host, Craig Smalley. Uh, this is week 12 of our show. We're really excited to be with you live on the air. Um, last week, unfortunately, we did replay uh, one of our older episodes because uh, we did have to attend uh, a client's funeral. So we're back to being live this week. Uh, so we've decided to challenge ourselves by uh, making the topic of taxes fun and interesting, which let me tell you, it's no small feat. <laughs> but uh, please don't turn the channel. We've got a really great show uh, in store for you today. Yeah, so this week we're going to be discussing something that on the surface sounds extremely boring, but I promise you, it really isn't. The more you understand it, the more you can learn how to avoid taxes. So we're going to be talking about income types. So as Belsus mentioned, we're live on the air and happy to take calls. The uh, call-in number is one eight 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 go for it or one eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. Also, we realize that people are at work, they're on their lunch break and all of that. So my awesome wife set up a website and we have email. So you can always send us an email at info at taxavoidancesleagal.com. And before we move forward, I just want to stress that the advice given on tax avoidance is legal is general in nature. Craig W. Smalley, EA, and CWSEAPA, LLP, and their associated entities cannot be held responsible for the advice given on the radio show. You should always consult your tax and or legal advisor. Um, and as Craig mentioned, we do have a website. We can be found at www.taxavoidanceislegal.com, and you can always email your questions throughout the week to us at uh, Info at taxavoidanceislegal.com. Uh, I just checked in. We have quite a few emails uh, lined up to answer for today. And if uh, if you haven't done it throughout the week, it's not too late. I do check that email uh, throughout the show. So uh, we'll be happy to try to get your questions featured. Um, the show is sponsored by CWSEAPA LLP, and we are a nationally recognized brand of accounting, tax, and financial services, as well as Tax Crisis Center, the nation's premier tax resolution firm. You can reach uh, CWSEAPA on our website at CWSEAPA. APA.com or by giving us a call at 844-297-3272. And Tax Crisis Center also has a website, taxcrisiscenter.com. And uh, you can reach Tax Crisis Center at 1-855-IRS-2911. So, Bells, I want to take a, uh, just, just a moment here, and I want, to, I want to dedicate this show to the most humble person I think that I've met in a really long time. And unfortunately, he passed away, and we were at his funeral last week. Yes, uh, this uh, was a client of ours, and he and his wife were very humble. Uh, why don't you explain a little bit about them? Because I think they have a fascinating story. Uh, yes, they absolutely do. So I met him and his son about four years ago. They had heard me speak at a function, and um, they were looking for a new accountant. So um, they run their business out of their house, but this is no ordinary house. This is a uh, large Victorian-style home, and the entire second floor is dedicated to where their offices are and their employees come there they have parking outside i mean it's you know the whole thing so 
the first time I went to their office, it was funny. The clients used to love meeting at like 7.30 in the morning. And, you know, I'm a morning person, so I was perfect with that. So at 7.30 in the morning, I drove to their home, and and I noticed there were all of these people lined up outside, and and I saw all the, the – the, this clothing and and all this stuff and I figured they were having a garage sale right so right. the next time I went to their house it was a couple of weeks later and it was the same thing they had all these clothes outside people lined up and and all of that so um and it, that was a couple of weeks later so I figured they must really like garage sales you know because there's, <laughs> there's people that you know they they like garage sales so or maybe they had a lot of decluttering to do you never know <laughs> exactly exactly so. The third time I visited their home, it was the exact same thing. So this time I asked about it and, you know, he stated that he and his wife collect donations of day old bread, food, clothing and other things and they distribute them to the poor and that's who was lining up and they did it every single day without fail. Yes. So amazing. I, I mean, such an amazing thing that they that they do. Well, yeah, I mean, just imagine open up, opening up your home every single day and being a distribution point for the needy. What happened was the church that they were working with, um, they got a new pastor, and the new pastor stated they didn't want to work with them anymore because they were Mormons. And he had this weird opinion that Mormons were devils, devil worshipers. And I think that's the most insane thing I had ever heard because uh, I've never heard of uh, devil worshippers who uh, humble themselves and open up their <laughs> home and, and give to the needy. But, you know, well, that's just of me. Of course not. Of course not. And, and, and exactly. So as you know, Belsus, I was raised as an atheist. And in 2010, you know, I turned my life over to Christ. And the good thing about that was, you know, I didn't know much about religion. So I, I wasn't really sure what Mormons believed. And it didn't really matter, you know, because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's you know as long as we agree on this one thing everything else is just a matter of opinion and you know the way that these people acted they were acting like a christian would act i mean because you know who opens their home up you know and then you know so i met with them one morning and i heard this story and they asked me to form a 501c3 for them which is basically a not-for-profit organization and they needed the 501c3 to carry on the mission because the places that were donating things to them wanted the tax deduction and what they need is a letter stating that they're a 501c3 but there was a problem with that yeah why don't you tell folks a little bit about what the the challenge was that they ran into or what the problem was it was a huge challenge so it can take sometimes up to a year for the irs to approve your 501c3 designation and nobody wants to um donate to a 501c3 pending organization. So effectively, they would have been closed down for a year and there'd be nowhere for any of these people to get food and clothing. And I couldn't, I could, I couldn't possibly believe that a pastor of a church would be so ignorant that he would cut off the people, you know, that, you know, it, all this help that these people were receiving. I know it's it's horrible. I remember when all of that was going on, and I just couldn't believe it because, um, you know, that that's basically the the main principle of being a Christian is, um, you know, to, to treat others like you would want to treat your, you know, you would want to be treated. And and what is more Christian than opening up your home and and allowing needy people, giving them access to food and clothing, and exactly. giving them giving them hope, you know? Exactly. So. 
what happened was three years earlier, Belsus and um, my two boys, we started a 501c3 um, organization called the CWSEA PA Foundation. And basically, it's a Christ-centered organization that helps people pay their rent, pay their electricity bills, you know, people that are destitute. So um, so they wouldn't have a distribution, a, a disruption in service. I volunteered for them to use our organization. Yeah, that was a very easy decision for us to make. I Absolutely. remember we, we all met and, you know, we knew they had to be able to carry on their mission while they waited for their own uh, 501c3, you know, to come through. Absolutely, because what would have happened? You know, these people would have showed up and there'd be no food, there'd be no clothing. So it was it was a complete absolute no-brainer for them. So, you know, it, it's funny, you know, eventually they got their 501c3 designation and they have it today and they're still out there, you know, doing all of that. And um, But unfortunately, the father was killed in an accident um, two weeks ago. Yeah, it was such a shock for us. Uh, he was such a amazing man and this is such a great family and our heart really goes out to them and I wish them nothing but the best. I know that they will carry on the mission um, without him there, but uh, it's something that really took us by surprise. Absolutely. And what, what was worse is I had just talked to him the day before he died, and it was it was a real shocker to me. Yeah, well, we'd like to dedicate this show in the memory of this uh, particular gentleman. He was just amazing. And um, with that, let's uh, jump right on in. So we are doing a show on income types today, aren't we, Craig? Yes, we are. Well, yes, we are. Why don't we talk about that? <laughs> well, very simply, I mean, he, you know, the, the, the question was, as we're putting these notes together to, you know, the other day was, why are we doing a whole show on this? And, you know, very simply, income types are so important because different income is taxed different ways. And the way that you're taxed on your income type is it, it's so important to understand tax avoidance because once you understand this, you can understand how you can go by and and actually avoid paying taxes. Yeah. So, Craig, why don't you tell us how many different income types could there possibly be? <laughs> well, there's earned income, there's investment income, there's capital gains income, there's passive income, and then there is ordinary income, and they are all treated differently. I bet they are. I know that uh, we are going to go and break this down and in depth. Um, you think we want to maybe take an early break and then come back and tackle yeah, the different because income types? Yeah, because it's going to go on for a little bit, and we'll, we'll go past our break if we don't. So we might as well take a break now and then come back and tackle it. All right, guys. We're going to go ahead and take a break, and when we return, we will tackle the different types of income. At Tax Crisis Center, LLC, we solve tax problems for a living. If you have a tax problem with the IRS, you've probably been inundated with postcards and letters from different tax resolution companies all over the country. Tax Crisis Center, LLC, is the country's premier tax resolution company. Unlike other tax resolution companies that will take your money and do nothing for you, once we are retained, we go to work. We get results for our clients and will handle your IRS problem professionally and expeditiously. Don't let the IRS push you around anymore. Give us a call at 1-855-IRS-2911. Email us at help at taxcrisiscenter.com 
or visit us on the web at www.taxcrisiscenter.com and let your voice be heard. CWS EAPA is a financial services company specializing in taxation and tax-related issues. Tax planning is a year-round activity. The biggest mistake that people make is thinking about taxes during tax time. When you have a complex tax situation, you need to plan for taxes on a year-round basis. Our specialty is mitigating our clients' tax obligations through careful tax planning. Tax avoidance is legal. Call us today at 1-844-CWS-EAPA or 1-844-297-3272. You can visit us on the web at cwseapa.com or email us at info at cwseapa.com. Put us to work for you today. Welcome back to Tax Avoidance is Legal on TalkZone.com. Here's Craig and Belsa Smalley. Welcome back to Tax Avoidance is Legal. Today we are talking about income types, and I want to remind you that our call number is 1-888-GO-FOR-IT or 1-888-463-6748. And you can also visit us on the web at TaxAvoidanceisLegal.com and use our little handy-dandy uh, contact form to submit your questions to us throughout the show. Or you can email them to info at TaxAvoidanceisLegal.com. As Craig uh, mentioned early in the show, we realize that a lot of folks are at work right now. You may not want to, um, you know, Call in live and have everyone in the office hear your confidential questions. So email is always a really great option. We seem to take a lot of our questions via email versus calls, but we do love to have callers. So if you're able to call in, please do. So we're going to go into explaining the different income types. Uh, so keep going because I'm not convinced, Craig, that this is uh, important enough for a show. So convince me. Come on. Dazzle me. Oh, your okay. Okay. Dazzle okay. me with your knowledge. <laughs> All right, all right. Well, that's a challenge. So, okay. So, so basically we were talking about the different types of income. So you have earned income and earned income is basically anything that is subject to Social Security and Medicare tax. That would be anything you get on a W-2 form or any self-employment income that is subject to self-employment tax. So with earned income, it determines how much money you can put into an IRA a Roth IRA and the, and it determines the earned income credit and other things. Then okay. that's what ha- most people are, are used to seeing is their earned income. Absolutely. I think, I think most Absolutely. people are familiar with that type. Absolutely. And then you have investment income and an investment income is basically interest and dividends that you earn. Interest is taxed at your ordinary income tax rate. So there's not a lot of playing around you can do with that. And dividends are usually taxed at roughly 15% depending on a few things. So um, after that, you have capital gains income. Now, Here's where things start to get a little dicey. So mm-hmm. with capital gains income, okay, if you have a security, usually this is when you're selling stock, bonds, mutual funds, homes, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, if you hold that property for less than a year and you sell it, you pay the short-term capital gains rate, which is just your ordinary income tax rate. Now, if you hold a security or whatever it is you're selling 
for one year and one day. That one day is important. So it's one year and one day. It's known as a long-term capital gain. And long-term capital gains can either be taxed at 15% or 20% depending on your income. However, there's always a however in the tax oh, code. Of course and there is. Of course. That's it's why complicated. <laughs> that's why I have a job is because of the however. So um, both capital gains income and investment income may be subject to something called the net investment income tax. Net investment income tax is an additional 3.8% tax, but only if your adjusted gross income is $250,000 or more. Okay. So. So there's passive income. Now, not a lot of, well, I don't want to say a lot of our clients have passive income, but I guess as a whole, not a lot of people will have it, but passive income is income that you receive just exactly like I said it is for basically doing nothing, not being an active uh, participant in, in a uh, business and other types of passive income are rental income. So if you have a rental and you have a rental property, that's a passive income or that's a passive loss. So, um, you know, I think a lot of folks would love to have uh income that uh, they receive for not really having to do anything. <laughs> well, they make it, they make it, they make an investment. They just don't have okay. a say, but in reducing the amount of passive income, it can only be taken against passive losses. So if you have passive income, it can't be reduced by ordinary income or anything else. It can only be reduced by passive income. Now, at some point, we're going to get a question. I know at some point today, somebody's going to ask me, why is that? Because when they changed the tax code in 86, that's what they said. That's why. So, Because um, they said so. Exactly. So on the rental income, provided that you have a certain amount of adjusted gross income, uh, rental income is a little bit different. On the rental losses, you can deduct up to $25,000 of the rental losses without having any passive um, income or passive losses. So that's the exception to the passive income rule. And then you have ordinary income. Ordinary income is basically any income that is not earned income, investment income, capital gains income, or passive income. So those are all the different income types. Okay, but that that is important. You're right. I, I am, You've dazzled me a bit. You've intrigued me. Um, I, I, we have a lot of questions, so I hope you're ready because uh, you've kind of opened up a can of worms for yourself. Now we've got a lot of... I'm sure I did. <laughs> we've got a lot of emails, uh, questions coming in. And we we definitely use income types in uh, tax planning, so why don't you talk about that? Well, yeah, in tax planning, we do use these income types. So let's just say just for conversation's sake, you have an extra, extraordinarily high capital gain. Let's say that you decided years ago that you bought um, – you know, you turned around and you bought Microsoft stock and you bought it for next to nothing and it split so many times and you go to sell it and you have this large capital gain. Well, with that large capital gain, you can also go in and what I'll do a lot of times, I'll sit down with a client sometime in November and we'll go through their portfolio and we do something called harvesting losses. And what we'll do is we'll look at stuff within their portfolio that has lost money that's never going to come back and we sell it. And why do we sell it? So we can take it against that large uh, capital gain that we have. And then, um, you know, some of those will find the capital transactions 
where somebody has an unrealized loss and then we'll realize those losses and then, you know, and we'll turn around and take them. All right. I'm going to push the rewind button on you there, buddy, because, uh, you loved us just unleash uh, nerdy accounting jargon on everybody. What is unrealized losses? Can you explain that for folks out there who are not nerdy accountants like you? <laughs> as a matter of fact, yes. And as I explain it to you, I want to let you know something that the first time I ever took a tax class, I failed it. I mm-hmm. literally failed it because I had the wrong teacher. But the second time I took the te- tax class, I got an A in it. So this is dedicated to my tax 101 teacher, Margot Rock CPA, who really, really explained this to me and it all made sense. So here's what unrealized losses are things that haven't happened yet. So when you have an unrealized loss, it's this stock that's basically sitting there. It's basically sitting there that's done nothing, is never going to come back to the market of which you bought it for or whatever, and it's unrealized, meaning you haven't sold it yet. When you realize something, you actually stick it in your pocket. So that's the best way to explain unrealized and realized. So when you're dealing with the tax code, a lot of times you'll hear unrealized. Unrealized means you just haven't done anything with it. It exists. Mm-hmm. It's there. You haven't done anything with it. Realized means you just stick it. In, you just stuck it in your pocket. You did something with it. Ah, well, now that you explain it, it sounds really kind of cool. See, but, sometimes, uh, sometimes, but, sometimes I gotta make you know make you rewind and explain your your fancy schmancy jargon. But wait a minute, but wait a minute, wait a minute, it gets even better. Uh Uh-oh, okay, okay. watch out, folks, it gets better. This gets even better, okay? So we had talked about passive losses. So I want to tell you about a story about a client that I have, and this client is what is known as an angel investor. So what he does is he basically goes to startup companies, and he gives them money. So my job is how do we give them money? What is the best way to give them money? So what happened is he invested in something called Bitcoin and MasterCoin and other cryptocurrencies with through a partnership, which he was a limited partner, which means he had passive losses and he has extraordinarily high passive losses. He has passive losses of about $350,000 right now. And then on top of that, on top of that, he got into gold a little bit and he took the gold, sold the gold and bought Bitcoin and lost some money on Bitcoin. So he has astronomically high capital gains loss right now. So right now we're looking at $350,000 in passive losses and we also are looking at about $150,000 in a capital loss. Now, anybody that's ever done their tax return knows you can only take $3,000 of the capital loss per year. So oh when boy. we're going exactly, well, when we're going through and we're designing this man's investments, right? Because he wants to be an angel investor. So how do we invest this money to get the most bang for our buck? So mm-hmm. Sounds like a job for Craig Smalley. Exactly. Now, stop and think (laughs) about this for a minute, okay? He wants to invest, let's say, $100,000 in a business. So he invests $100,000 and he can invest in it in an LLC and he can invest in it as a passive investor. So if that company makes money, guess what? 
he's never taxed on it because he has those large passive losses that he's carrying over and the income that he would make from that would be passive, right? So now it's getting, it's getting kind of cool. And oh, then, yeah. so, and then if that's if the company is set up as a limited liability company or limited partnership. Now, if the company's set up as a corporation, he can just go in and buy the, buy the shares of stock. And if the company makes money, he can sell his stock and in effect have this capital gain. And guess what? None of it is taxed because he has this large capital loss. So that is how important it is to understand income types. Well, it, that is, that's definitely, now that, that really is a great example. And, and I'm so glad that you have so much knowledge on that because, uh, it can make, I think, just the average person's head spin, everything you kind of just went over. Exactly. <laughs> but, but your accountant should be doing this for you. And it's, the worst thing that you can do, especially if you're in a situation like this, is see your accountant at the end of the year because everything is planning. So we've got to plan this out. We've got to plan out how much we invest passively and how much we invest capitally and how much money we can make there. Because if we don't, then all of these losses are just going to go nowhere and they're not going to do anybody any good. All right. Well, guys, you're hearing this. You really got to find yourself an accountant that's knowledgeable, that's going to be able to go into in depth with with you on these things and knows has that knowledge um because um you without that you could see how somebody uh like our client uh, could definitely end up um having to pay a lot more in taxes. Um Absolutely. So, yeah, so when I first met with him, and this was before we did the tax return, he was going to loan the money to these people. He mm. was going to loan it to them, and he was going to structure it as a loan that could turn into equity at some point, or they would just pay him an interest. So stop and think about this for a minute. If they pay him an interest, that's ordinary income. That's taxes, ordinary income tax bracket. The way that we want the money paid to him is either through A, distributions, which aren't taxable, or through a dividend, which is only taxed at 15%. But it all depends on the way that we structure the deal when in the beginning. And if I'm not involved in that or an, an accountant isn't involved in that or and not just any accountant, it has to be a tax accountant that specializes in this. If they're not involved in this from the beginning, it can be really, really bad for him because he can end up paying a lot of taxes that he doesn't need to pay because he has all of these carryover losses. Mm, well, you just sound like a superhero. I'm going to have to get you a cape. And Absolutely. You, you, you need a little Boss a little man. tagline like, here comes Craig Smalley, harvester of losses, realizer of, of losses or something. We're well, going to find your catchy tag. <laughs> I will tell you this. Accountant's Appreciation Day, which I didn't even know was a day, was, I, still, I still think you make, made that up, but okay. I did not make that up. <laughs> that was two weeks ago. It was Accountants Appreciation Day. So anyway, appreciate your accountants because you know we're actually, you know, we're actually doing stuff for you, or we're trying to anyway. Folks, he has not let up about this whole Accountants Appreciation Day. I'm going to have to do some research, or somebody could just email me some proof that this day actually exists, because I have not heard the end of it, that uh, we did not recognize him on that day, and uh, I just have a sneaky suspicion that Craig may have made this day up, but that's okay. He still deserves it. And with that, I'm going to say uh, we probably should take another break, Craig. What do you think? Uh, yeah, absolutely. 
All right, Ron, I remind everyone they can call in at one eight 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 go for it or one eight 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 four six three six seven four eight with your questions or email us at info at taxavoidanceslegal.com. And on the other side of the break, Craig is going to discuss more about income types. Goody, goody. Forming a corporation or LLC can separate personal assets from your business assets. No matter what state your business operates in, forming a corporation or LLC in Nevada, Delaware, or Florida has benefits. For example, forming a corporation in Nevada offers privacy and no corporate income tax. Forming a corporation in Delaware can give you the legal protection of the state of Delaware, which is business-friendly. On top of the legal reasons to form a corporation, there are tax benefits as well. Give us a call today at 1-844-CWSEAPA or 1-844-297-3272 or email us at info at cwseapa.com. Come and see what you've been missing. Payroll can be a nightmare for a small business. When you have employees, you have to pay them periodically, pay the taxes associated with them, and file quarterly tax reports with the Internal Revenue Service and the state that your business operates in. Our payroll is seamless. It is done through a cloud-based system. All you do is put in what you are paying your employees and approve your payroll. We handle the rest. Our fees are lower than the national payroll companies, too. Call us today at 1-844-CWSEAPA or 1-844-297-3272 or visit us on the web at CWSEAPAPayrollService.com. At Albertus Business Services Incorporated, we view ourselves as your internal bookkeeping department and are always improving ways to leverage proven cloud technologies to streamline and improve the efficiency of our outsourced services. With an in-house bookkeeper, you would run the cost of about 45000 a year. But with our monthly services, it would be a fraction of that cost. Let us help you with the tedious, time-consuming side of your business so you can focus on growing your business. Call us today at 1-877-695-6658. Our website is albernaservices.com or email dalbernas at albernaservices.com. Your success is our business. Welcome back to Tax Avoidance is Legal on TalkZone.com. Here's Craig and Belsis Smalley. Welcome back to Tax Avoidance is Legal. Today we've been discussing income types and Craig has been um, dazzling me with all his knowledge on the different uh, income types. And, I don't uh, know if I was dazzling him. But <laughs> I'll, I'll take that because it's so rare that you compliment me. I'll take that. This is this is payback for me forgetting your uh, your made up uh, you know accountant appreciation day. I'm telling you, I didn't. Make that up. <laughs> I did not make that up. <laughs> well, we have a lot of questions. Uh, you ready to tackle some of these questions? Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. All right. And I want to remind everyone, you can still uh, call in. one go for is our call-in number to be live on the air. Or email us your questions at info at taxavoidanceslegal.com. Uh, we do have a question from Bob in New Orleans, uh, or New Orleans, I guess I should say. Bob says that his accountant has told him that he doesn't have enough earned income. Why is that so important? Well, there could be a number of reasons why that's important. That's kind of a generic question, but... 
I'll kind of uh, tackle that in you know the best Got way it. that I can. Try um, to help Bob out. Yeah, Bob, it could be that you. I don't know if you're an owner of an S corporation and you're not reasonably compensating yourself and you don't have enough earned income, or it could be that um, you don't have enough earned income to put money into an IRA or into a Roth IRA or um, any any one of those different retirement plans. I mean, um, earned income is important um, for a lot of reasons. I just don't know what um, your particular accountant's reason for it is, but those are the two big reasons or those are the, the, the many different reasons why earned income is important. Uh, and, and speaking of retirement accounts, I think that a lot of folks don't realize that they're tied to earned income. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah. So basically you can't put money into an IRA unless you have earned income. So if you have $6,000 worth of earned income, you can put, uh, well, I'm sorry, $5,500 in earned income. You can put $5,500 into a Roth IRA or an individual IRA, but you have to have earned income to do that. Also, another thing that's important about earned income is if a husband and wife, they have a child, they both have to have earned income to be able to take the dependent care credit. So if you're paying for daycare and you guys don't have earned income, both of you, then you can't take the dependent care credit. So, um, but yeah, that's why uh, retirement accounts are so, and that's why earned income is so important. And um, I just want to go back to your definition of capital gains income. When you were talking about that, you mentioned that uh, it was taxed at either 15% or 20%. Why is that? Congress. <laughs> That's it. Um, so basically, if your income is $449,999, you're taxed at 15% um, on any long-term capital gains. And then if it's 450 or above, your tax at 20%. But you also have to pay a net investment income tax. And that um, came into play a couple years ago, and it's used to pay for the Affordable Care Act. And that's an additional 3.8%. And then on top of that, if you have too much in capital gains income, it can also trigger something called alternative minimum tax. Well, can you um, explain a little bit about alternative minimum tax? Because I know some folks out there might not know what you're talking about when you mention well, alternative minimum tax. Well, first I'm going to make a joke. It's not alternative and it's not minimum. Um, oh, it's, har, har. It's basically, It's basically an alternative calculation of your tax liability. So if you have um, if you have a, a, something that's that's a a a tax, uh, a, a tax favored item like capital gains. So, uh, long-term capital gains aren't taxed at your ordinary tax rate. If you have a lot of that, then what happens is the tax code will make up for that by alternatively, um, calculating your taxes so you pay your quote unquote fair share. But, um, the problem with AMT is that it, it came into play in 1969 and has never been really indexed for inflation. So a lot more people are falling into AMT now than ever have been. We could do a whole show on AMT. Yeah, it sounds a bit complicated. Yeah, it is. It's very, it's, it's, it's extremely, it's extremely complicated, but it's something that if, uh, you know, if you think you're going to fall into AMT or something like that, you really want to have an accountant go through and look at that and make sure, cause there are ways to avoid, 
um, AMT. And like I said, that, that could be an entire show. It would bore everybody to death, but it could be an entire show. Well, um, what you're, basically what you're saying this whole show is that it's important to know the difference between income types, um, because it directly affects your tax situation, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's exactly what this show is because it really does. It, it really, really, really affects, um, your tax situation just on the varying types of income. And just, you know, I tell clients this all the time. Just by changing the way that you do things just a little bit. And I'm not talking now. Now, for some people, if there's a lot of income to avoid, a lot of taxes to avoid, there's going to be, you know, a, a complication to your life. And, and in order to avoid uh, taxes, you're really going to have to complicate your life. But for, for most people out there that are listening, just by changing things just a little bit, like holding on to that stock for a year and a day and not selling it right away when it goes up or, you know, something similar to that, it can really, really, really greatly, greatly, greatly affect your, your tax situation. Yeah, and uh, for a lot of folks, it just boils down to just having that little bit of knowledge or having uh, at least the right accountant that's going to uh, let you know. So consulting your, your tax advisor, your accountant is really important. We always tell our clients, consult us before you make these big decisions because there's sometimes there are things that we could advise you on that you didn't know, and it could really save you a lot of money, heartache, and headaches later Absolutely. on. Absolutely. I tell clients all the time, I'd rather spend five minutes with you on the phone than, um, than, than to go back and spend an hour trying to figure out what you did and then go to you and go, why did you do it this way? So yeah, mm-hmm. you always want to keep your accountant involved. Always. We have a question from Noah in Fort Collins. Noah states that about three years ago, he had a 100,000 dollar capital loss. How long can he carry that loss forward? Forever until it's used up. The problem with it, though, is that it's only deductible at $3,000 per year unless you have a capital gain. So if you have a capital gain out there, that loss that you're carrying forward will go against that capital gain. So it's kind of nice that you have that, especially, you know, with the way that the markets are today. You know, they're up one day and down the next day, but it's kind of good that you have that. And obviously, I don't know what it took uh, for you to have to get that loss, but um, it could be a good thing because, you know, at some point it could really, really, you know, mitigate your, your, your capital gains tax. So it's not a bad thing. Um, we've got more questions. Uh, we've got one here from Doug in Omaha. He says that, uh, he has rental losses that his accountant states he can't take because they are passive. Can you explain that? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it, you have to meet certain adjusted gross income limits. So basically rental properties, they always lose money on paper. Now the draw to a rental property is you're not going to get rich renting, renting property out. The draw to it is the cash flow is such that you can pay the mortgage that's on the property. You can pay the property taxes. You can keep the up you know, all the uptake on, on the uh, rental property. So, um, you basically break even, but on paper for tax reasons, because of things like depreciation and then depreciation is basically, uh, the recovery of the asset over a period of time. So if you have a $250,000 house that you're renting over, renting out, you depreciate that over 27 and a half years after, after the 27 and a half years is over with and, um, you know, all of that, but your income must be too high. So your passive losses are just accumulating. But 
the good news is when you go to sell the property, so the people that have rental properties, the way they make their money is when they sell the property. So when they sell the property, then um, it's subject to capital gains. But all of those passive losses that you've been carrying forward, you can take then. You can finally take it when you sell the property. So you might not be getting a deduction for it today, but you absolutely positively will one day when you sell. Okay. Uh, let's see if we can take one more question before we go to our next break. Uh, we've got Jackson in Cheyenne says that he invested in a company that did fracking a few years ago. They have issued him uh, K-1 forms every year with large losses. Can he take those losses? Okay. Hopefully. I don't, not hopefully. sure what frac- fracking is. So if you want oh, fracking. to explain yeah, um, that to me, that'd be great. <laughs> I Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fracking, yeah. So I've had a couple of clients that have dealt with this, and this is pretty much in the up up in um, North Dakota, South Dakota, and those areas. And basically, what fracking is is where they take a drill and they start drilling down, and they're trying to look. They're looking for oil, basically. And um, you know, as a matter of fact, we um, we found a lot of oil here in the United States. So there's this real big oil. Um, um, boom that's going on right now in the United States has been going on for a few years now and hopefully Jackson you've been claiming these losses on your tax return or you're going to have to go back and amend them but um, typically when you invest in something like that something that has to do with oil you're investing as a passive investor so any losses that you have are passive losses so um, the good news is is um, with fracking, um, my experience with it is in the first few years is when you lose the money, but eventually when the oil comes and you sell the oil, then that's when you make the money. So those passive losses that you've been carrying forward, once, once they go through and start selling the oil, you can recover the income from them from all those passive losses that have been accumulating. So the long way to your answer is, um, you probably won't see these losses. For a while, but um, you will eventually be able to take them. And if they're not on your tax return, please, please go back and amend them. And you can go back three years and amend the tax return. So go back and do that. Mm, well, that's great. All right, Jackson, I hope that answers your question. Um, I think we should uh, pause for our uh, one, one more break here and then come back and tackle the rest of these questions. Uh, so hang in there, guys, and we'll be back after the break. Craig Smalley is the author of 12 books regarding taxation. Two of his books have been revised this year. It starts with an idea revised edition takes you through the startup of a company. It talks about taxes, entity structuring, the IRS, and so much more. The Complete Guide to Estate, Gifts, and Trust Taxation Revised Edition is about how to navigate the complex estate tax. Both books have just been released by CWSEAPA Publishing, LLC, and are on sale now at Amazon.com. If you are a business that has outgrown your accountant but are not big enough for one of the big four accounting firms, CWSEAPA Consulting may be perfect for you. We specialize in tax consulting for small to medium-sized businesses. We can advise you on whether it is time to start a holding company or management company to mitigate your tax liability. We can advise you on whether it is a good time to expand your business, hire employees, buy equipment, or lease equipment. There are different tax reasons to do different things. 
Let our over 22 years of experience work for you. Call us today at 1-844-CWSEAPA or 1-844-297-3272. You can email us at info at cwseapa.com or visit us on the web at cwseapa.com. We're doing something amazing and we want you to be a part of it. With so many choices when looking for quality investment advice, you owe it to yourself to seek a professional who has your best interests at heart. At J.B. Meridian Advisors, we don't sell products that generate commissions or have hidden fees. Client assets are never locked up in illiquid investments that could take months or years to access, or worse, charge a penalty to sell in an emergency. Our simple structure aligns the interests of our clients with our interests by charging a flat fee based on the assets we manage. As your portfolio value increases, our firm grows. Call J.B. Meridian Advisors now at 877-398-0051 or visit us online at jbmeridian.com. Now let's get back to Craig and Dulcis Smalley for more of Tax Avoidance is Legal on TalkZone.com. Welcome back to Tax Avoidance is Legal. Thank you so much for tuning in and uh, checking out our show. Today we've been talking um, all about the different income types. And I want to just remind everyone, um, we have a few minutes left in the show. Our call-in number is one eight 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 go for it or one eight eight eight. 463-6748 and you can also visit us on the web at www.taxavoidanceslegal.com. We do have a form on there that you can submit with your questions or you can email us your questions at info@taxavoidanceslegal.com and we always try to answer everybody's questions during our showtime if for any reason we run out of time and uh, your question doesn't get answered uh, rest assured we will definitely follow up with you so um, please don't uh, feel bad if uh, your question doesn't make it on the air we will still Make sure to respond to you one-on-one and make sure your questions get answered. So uh, with that, Craig, I have a few more questions that have come in. Um, let's see what the next one is. Kenneth in Jacksonville, he says that um, he wants to know what the difference is between material and active participation. Whoa, that is not, that is not a basic question. <laughs> all right, Jackson, all right, Kenneth in Jacksonville. All right. Well, um, basically I'm going to defer back to, uh, my excellent teacher, Margot Rock, who made me, ex- to, made me, um, uh, really, really, really understand this. So material participation is basically investing in something. So if you've invested in something like a rental property, for instance, um, or you've invested in, um, you know, some oil partnership or something like that, you're materially participating because your income is at risk, your um, investment is at risk. So, um, Active participation is something completely different. Active participation is not only is your income at risk, but you're actively participating if you spend more than 500 hours in certain activities or 750 hours per year in that activity, doing something, working there, um, handling it. Now, 
Why is that so important? Well, that's the difference between passive and active income. So if you're, if you only invest in something and you don't spend that 500 hours or that 750 hours in that business, then, um, you have a passive loss now. But if you spend more than that time, like for instance, in my business, I am an active participant and I'm also a material participant because I spend what, 750 hours a week, it feels like sometimes. No, probably but, more. <laughs> uh, but I mean, but I'm actively participating in it. So that's the difference. And it's very important to, um, also I want to go back just a little bit. Active and material participation usually comes into play with people in rental properties. So um, you can also actively participate in a rental property if you're just a real estate professional. So mm -hmm. if you're a licensed real estate agent and you have a rental property, then your income or your loss is no longer passive just because that means that you're, you're deemed as um, an active participant because – um, you you are a real estate professional, so you're already in that industry. So um, anyway, that was a very long answer, but I think that that's the easiest way to explain it. I know some of the sometimes uh, folks' questions are not as simple as they may think, or the answer behind them may be a little more complex than they uh, probably expect. But uh, that's what we're here for. So we have a question from Jeff in Kansas City who wants to know if the uh, if the state piggyback off the federal's definition of income. Do the states piggyback off the federal definition of income, I guess? I yeah, I understood that. So does the state does the state pick up the federal's definition of income? Mm -hmm. Um yeah, sometimes sometimes yes and sometimes no. It really depends. Um, every state is different. I'm very blessed in that I'm in a state that doesn't have an income tax, but I know that when I'm dealing with a state that does have income tax, um, it varies between states. So for instance, California doesn't. California doesn't have, um, their definitions of income are completely different from federal. So, um, New York is the same way. So it just depends on what state you're in. Mm, but that yeah. was a very good question. Yeah, that is. Uh, Mike in Pensacola wants to know, how does the IRS for anyone know that you have these different types of income? Oh, well, very simply, there's, there is a, um, there's a form that's filed with the IRS. So for instance, if you have investments and you sold the investments, the IRS knows that you've sold them. They know that how long, and now it didn't used to be this way, but a few, a few years ago, they changed the law, but I'm going to tell you how it was before they changed the law. Before they changed the law, all they got was one side of it. They only got it, got for what you sold it for. So, so whatever you sold, um, your security for, that's all they got. Well, now the IRS, they know um, if it's long term or short term and all of that. So they, they know all the differences in them. They, they get the reports. Now, passive or active income, um, they also get something called a K1 form, which is your share of income and expense and, and all of that. And, um, the, uh, the, the income, it's basically, um, they know about it because that form has been filed. They know if it's, if it's passive or it's active. They, your earned income, they know about because you've either gotten a 1099 or a W-2 form. There isn't much that the IRS, uh, doesn't know about. Now, if you're in an investment and it's an all cash investment, 
Um, the IRS knows about it too, especially if you're ever audited because they'll do a cash flow analysis on you. So, um, it's, you know, it is what it is. You have to be, um, very careful because the IRS knows a lot more than what you think they know. Yeah, folks sometimes don't realize that, uh, they. Yeah, because my favorite, my favorite question is always, um, you know, I'll ask somebody how much they made and they say, well, I got paid in cash. Do so I have to claim it? It's, and the, and the answer is, is absolutely yes, because number one, not claiming it is tax evasion and that's criminal. Um, so, you know, it's, it's something that is just very, you got to be very careful about it. And if you're ever audited, the first thing the IRS will do well, is they'll do a cash flow analysis on you to see how much money you've actually made versus what you've claimed. So you've got to be very, 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 very careful about that. Now you have to be able to answer how you've been able to live on your, you know, reported income. So, uh, that's something folks don't realize sometimes. I don't think I asked this question, Craig. I may have actually missed this one. Uh, Janine in Austin, she wanted to know what the difference was between dividends and ordinary dividends. I don't think I asked that yet. Oh, dividends and ordinary dividends. Yeah, usually those are uh, dividends are just dividends that you're paid from a stock or a mutual fund. And then ordinary dividends are are, are um, dividends that have been held on to for about two years. Now, the difference is ordinary dividends are taxed at your ordinary income rate. Or, I'm sorry, dividends are taxed at your, at your ordinary income rate and ordinary dividends are taxed at 15%. So that's what the difference is in dividends. Okay. Uh, we have time for a couple more questions, I think. Uh, let's see. Jeff in Columbus wants to know, and I think you've gotten this one before, if you favor a flat tax. Oh, yeah. This is a flat tax question. Yeah, I get yeah we all- get that all the time. <laughs> so do I favor a flat tax? We had a flat tax in 1913 when the income tax uh, first came out. Um, it, it, we had a flat tax. So mm-hmm. it is what it is. Um, and look at where we're at today. So if we even went to a flat tax, we'd get back to where we are today. There's too many special interests. There's just, there's just too much involved. So eventually we uh, get comp- complicated again. Yeah. We would get right back to where we're at. So, you know, they keep talking about flat taxes and flat tax out. I, I, I have no problem with that. So whatever. Uh, Thomas in St. Louis wants to know what you think of Hillary and Trump's tax plans. <laughs> is that an honest, is that a serious question? Yeah. <laughs> it's on Okay. There. Okay. Well, we got it. So, oh, okay. Well, Hillary's tax plan, I don't think that she has, um, I don't think that she's released it yet, or if she has, I haven't read it, so I'm unfamiliar mm-hmm. with it. Now, Trump's tax plan, I did, I wrote an article about Trump's tax mm-hmm. plan. It was a little, um, it's a little weird. It's a little strange. There are some things in it that I like. I do like that, um, you know, the, the corporate tax bracket is brought down to 15% and that being the highest bracket and that's the best, um, that we can do. So, um, I like that because people are out there, uh, shipping all their money overseas so they can pay a lower income tax rate. And we do have the highest corporate income tax rate of any country. So I do like that. But there was a lot of weird stuff with, with Trump. It was, you know, if you make less than $20,000, you file an income tax return that says, I win, whatever that oh, is. Geez. So, yeah, it's, it's bizarre. And he's also said that he's going to change it a little bit. So, you know, I think he was saying one thing to get elected 
by mm-hmm. his electorate, and then in the general election, he'll change it to something else. But, um, but I and I'm not familiar with Hillary's tax plan. All right, it's a, it's, it's a circus this whole uh, election. So, in no it way, shape, been. or form are we uh, are we pro Hillary or Trump? I would say <laughs> no, or Sanders. Neither. <laughs> Um, all right, one last question. Gregory in Orlando wants to know what you think of the Golden State Warriors. Gregory in Orlando. Uh, well, Gregory, the Golden State Warriors are going to go down. As I told you, they're going to go down. Now, Gregory in Orlando is my son, and <laughs> he asks the last question every single day. And, uh, it's always sports-related. And the Golden State Warriors, as I told him, are going to go down. OKC is just too good of a team, and they're going to take him out. In game six, and I'm calling it now, Gregory. So game mm-hmm. six, they're, they're out. So that's, that's my answer to that question. Well, folks, this is going to conclude today's show. If we didn't get your emailed question on the air, we will email you back. And remember to visit us at taxavoidanceislegal.com. Email your questions throughout the week to info at taxavoidanceislegal.com. And tune in next week when we're going to talk about a subject that Craig has written uh, several articles on, reasonable compensation. Yeah, we'll have some fun with that. Thank you.